0: Friends, it's your girl Harpo. Welcome to this episode of Brown Go Guilt titled If 25 Year Old Harpo Was My Daughter. This episode is all about inner child parenting and inner child healing. And the reason that I wanted to record this episode is because parenting my inner child has done wonders for my relationship with myself. And some of you might be listening to this and might be wondering, I don't know what inner child parenting is. I don't know what it means to heal my inner child. Um, And some of you might know what that is, might know what that looks like, what it feels like, and might be a bit too scared to do it. Or you might just be confused and not understand, you know, all of it and its gravity. And that's okay. Healing your inner child is not easy. It's not something that comes easy. It's not a decision that's taken lightly. And the entire process of it, once you commit to it, is absolutely not easy. But I will say, again, that parenting my inner child has done absolute wonders for my relationship with myself. And so this episode, if 25-year-old Harpo was my daughter, is sort of where I'm at right now in my life a lot of the healing work that I'm doing right now is sitting down with my inner child. It's sitting down with all the different versions of me, whether that's five, 15, 21, 25, just sitting down with all those versions of me and speaking to them, holding space for them and trying to listen very carefully to what it is that all those different versions of me are trying to tell me in this moment or in, you know, that conflict or that problem or that conversation. And really sitting down with myself is something that I do in routine, like it's a routine of mine now. Some days I forget some weeks, you know, I'm, I'm journeying through life and I wonder why am I so upset? Why am I overthinking so much? And then something will happen and I'll realize, ah, is because I fell out of touch with all those different versions of Harpo, and so in this episode, I want to explore what it looks like to parent your inner child. You know how I've been doing it, some of my challenges, but then also what's sort of springing up for me, and what what changes I'm experiencing as a result of parenting my inner child. The reason that I am currently parenting my inner child is because I've learned that everything comes back to that five-year-old inside of me, you know, that five-year-old inside of me who wasn't heard, wasn't acknowledged, or wasn't paid attention to everything. A lot of my habits, you know, my coping mechanisms, my self-soothing mechanisms, the way I do or do not show up in relationships, you know, the way that I speak to myself and, you know, sort of the survival tactics that I have are all rooted in that five-year-old version of me. And so I'm going back to that five-year-old version on a consistent basis to try and understand and make sense of everything that's unfolding in front of me right now. So why is parenting our inner child important? Well, it's often the root cause of a lot, like I just said, you know, and I feel like until we don't speak to that root, until we don't really, really get down to the root and try to uproot the problem or uproot the pattern or the behavior, it'll never really go away. You know, we can sort of, you know, speak to the symptoms of what's going on and sort of try to like band-aid solution all those symptoms. But really, until we get down to the root cause of why we are feeling the way that we are or have the thought patterns that we do, it's never really going to get fully resolved. I think you have to practice self-love from the ground up, right? Like all the parts of you that feel the most unworthy and feel like deserve the, less, like the, the, less, the least amount of love, those are the versions, those are the parts that we have to really work on. And so I imagine self-love as sort of building from the ground up. It's sort of like building a foundation, right? When you build a house, you build the foundation first. And so building the foundation is something that is at the bottom of that entire structure. And if we sort of view our lives like that structure, you know, we sort of think about our journey as, you know, an ongoing series of events building on top of one another, then the foundation of our lives would likely be our childhood. And so going back to that childhood, sort of to like, look for what happened and why it happened and how it made you feel. And then how you sort of took from that experience and carried it throughout your life is very, very important. So what is inner child parenting? Basically it's connecting with your inner child. It's making space for them to feel heard, you know, really withholding judgment and, You know, really allowing for whatever has been repressed for many years to fully come up. That is inner child parenting. It's really actively creating space for that five-year-old, that 10-year-old, that 15-year-old, you know, really allowing them to take the lead in the conversation when you sit down with them. So my journey with parenting my inner child has been a crazy one. It's been, uh, you know, I think I would say a few years since it's been in motion, in action, but I think I've only been consciously parenting myself for the last maybe six months or so. So my journey started when I first went to therapy in 2019. I was living in Montreal on my own. Um, I was away for school and before I went to Montreal, I remember just being excited, like having a plan, knowing that I, once I got there, I was going to start therapy. And it was something that I hid from almost everybody in my life. I hid it from my friends. I hid it from my family. There was something so shameful about going to therapy. For, from that version of me, um, and so I hid it from everybody. And when I remember going into therapy, that was the first time that I sort of experienced um, a connection with my inner child. You know, the the this therapist that I had, God bless her, her name was Nyla. Nyla really held me and held space for my inner child to fully come out. And at that time, I didn't even think of it or see see it as inner child parenting. But really, what was happening was. Nyla was really guiding me to towards my my younger self, my inner child, and just sort of like asking the questions and opening the box and allowing for that inner child to really sort of show up. And so after that, you know, I was in therapy for for about four months at that time. I used to go every, every Saturday. <laughs> Saturday morning was my day for therapy. Um, and when I moved back to to BC, I stopped going to therapy. And so my inner child also almost sort of disappeared. And I'm using disappeared in quotation marks because it doesn't really disappear. It doesn't ever go away. But this active relationship that I was starting to form with my inner child went away. And so it was still there, but I didn't have a conscious awareness of my inner child. At that time, I wasn't even able to look at baby pictures of myself. And I never really, you know, thought about it as a, Problem at that time. Like, I wasn't able to really look at kids' pictures of myself as a kid without getting incredibly emotional and getting really frustrated and agitated. At that time, I didn't think it was a problem. You know, now in hindsight, I know that it was because I couldn't stand to see myself at ages that I had experienced hurt or abandonment or trauma. And, you know, it, it just, I couldn't look at any pictures of myself. And obviously that has changed. I have grown into now thinking I was the cutest baby in the entire world. I know everybody thinks that they're the cutest baby in the world, but I'm just going to say it for the record. I was the cutest baby ever, ever. But, you know, now I can look at pictures of myself and it's because ever since then I have had a lot more um curiosity when it comes to my inner child and I've I've really actively built a better relationship with my inner child. In November of 2020, I started working with Jyoti Dili, who, you know, you can totally check out on Instagram, Jyoti Creative. Uh, But I started working with Jyoti Dili. And at that time, what I was doing was, you know, really talking to her about some of the things that I I had been experiencing at the time. I told her I was having some issues with trust. I felt really, you know, disembodied in my body. I didn't feel settled. Um, you know, I felt like I was just on the cusp of something. And at that time we did a lot of different techniques, right? We did quantum time healing. We did hypnotherapy. We did meditation. And also she just was like a soundboard for me to just talk about my feelings. And even though it wasn't therapy, there was so many different modalities that were used to really get clear on who I was and what I was feeling. And then after that in 2021 is when I started seeing my incredible therapist, Anna. And Anna has been the reason that I have been able to really feel confident and strong about approaching my healing through an inner child lens and and really connecting with my inner child. And what we've been doing is having conversations with my inner child in therapy, we'll bring my inner child in and we'll ask that five-year-old version of Harpo what she's upset about. What is it that she really wants to say? And I have to tell you, it's absolutely changed my life. So there's many tangible ways that you can, you know, sort of approach inner child healing. Here's what I do. Jyoti Didi in 2020 had me draw out a table of all the different Harpo's that show up at the table. And all it was, was a circle in the middle of my journal. And I wrote down table of Harpo and sort of imagined it as a dinner table. And I asked all the different versions of Harpo to show up in my mind, show up in my consciousness. And I wrote down all those different versions of Harpo as seats at the table. And so I wrote down judgmental Harpo. I wrote imposter syndrome harpo i wrote bossy harpo i wrote down controlling harpo but i also wrote down loving harpo ambitious harpo strong-willed harpo a good friend harpo so i wrote down all the different versions of harpo and so now when i'm journeying through life and you know i'm a little bit confused or i'm feeling a little bit disconnected from myself i just stop and i ask myself which version of harpo wants the biggest seat or the head seat at the table that day? Is it the judgmental Harpo? Is it the, you know, is it the imposter syndrome Harpo? Which Harpo is it that wants that, you know, head of the seat table that day. And on the days that I can't remember it, I just open up my journal and I look at all those different versions of Harpo and identify which one it is that's showing up. And that's the Harpo that I have a conversation with. You know, some days we can be journeying through our days and just feel like, why am I being so judgy today? Why am I so irritated today? Why is everybody in the world pissing me the fuck off today? And that is when the table of use is super, super helpful because you can look at that table of use and ask yourself, which one is asking for a, Attention today. And I want to put a pin in that asking for attention because I want to come back to that because it's important for us to know that an X version of us is asking for attention because so often what we do is we give it inattention, right? Like we just don't pay attention to that version of ourselves or that emotion that is showing up. And what happens when we don't give it attention is that it actually gets louder and louder and bigger and bigger. But I'm going to put a pin in that. We're going to come back to it in just a second. The other thing that I've been doing when it comes to parenting my inner child is role play. So I mentioned that I do that in therapy, but now I do it at home too, where I sort of role play, like I step in and out of you know, this five-year-old version of me and then this 25-year-old version of me. And I just pretend like I'm this five-year-old talking and then the 25-year-old talking. And no, I don't speak in a baby voice, even though, I mean, it'd be kind of cute to do that. I do not speak in a baby voice. I just sort of allow for that five-year-old to come out. And sometimes I do that in the format of a journal, right? Like I will literally write down dialogue by dialogue, like the five-year-old will talk and then the 25-year-old will talk and the five-year-old will talk and so on and so forth. And so that really has helped me a lot to just get clear on what it is that is going on in my mind and what my heart really wants to do from all of that and with all of that. And I mentioned baby pictures before, so I wasn't able to look at baby pictures before, but now I am. And sometimes what I do is even speak to those baby pictures. I mean, just last week, you know, like a week before I was recording this podcast episode, I imagined this beautiful picture of myself. It wasn't in front of me, but I just imagined myself in this picture And I really needed a deep release. And so I imagined this picture and I just started to bawl. I just started to cry super, super hard because, you know, sometimes just like looking at a picture of yourself and, you know, at a, at a time and place where you were younger can really, really just help for you to hold space for that version of you that might not have had whatever it is that you're trying to resolve in that moment. And then the last thing that I love to do is inner child meditations. There's so many Meditations out there that are specifically catered towards meeting your inner child, speaking to your inner child and bringing your inner child up and just sitting in silent contemplation in solitude, meditating and trying to connect with your inner child can do wonders for that relationship. I often ask myself if five-year-old Harpo was my daughter, what I would say. I always ask that question. You know, what would I tell her if she came to me and said, I'm feeling this, or I'm feeling that, and this is how, uh, you know, so-and-so made me feel, or this is what I really, truly want to feel. I always ask myself as a 25 year old, if this five-year-old version of Harpo was my daughter, what would I say to her? You know, how could I create space for her? What did not even advice? Because I, you know, I think like we're so quick to give actionable items, but what could I do to just make this version of me feel heard? And so, so much of my inner child parenting is just doing that. And the reason that inner child parenting is so important is because often when we are talking to that five-year-old, that 10-year-old, that 15-year-old version of ourselves, we're giving to them something that our parents were not able to give to us, right? Our parents had their limitations. They, they perhaps they didn't choose to be parents. Perhaps they were going through life circumstances that didn't allow for them to be present parents. Sometimes they just didn't have the emotional intelligence or the emotional maturity to give to us what we needed when we were children, whether it was attention, time, energy, you know, kindness, love, respect, whatever it was that we really, really needed from our parents at 5, 10, 15. If they weren't able to give it to us, Chances are that we've been carrying that void within us our entire lives. And what we're doing is we're looking for something and someone to fill that void. And I'm going to give away a really big secret here. And the secret is that there is nothing and nobody in this world that can fill that void. Because that void is deep. It's deep rooted and it's actually placed in a different timeline and it was created by a different person or different people under different circumstances. And so, you know, it, it's really hard for someone else, whether that's a partner, your friends, it's really hard for that person to come in and to fill that void, to close that gap right? And most often, it's also really hard for our parents to come and fill that void for us, because even though we can, you know, receive apologies, and we can receive all of those things in this current moment, we can receive the love, kindness, respect, energy, time that we didn't get from our parents before. The reality is that that void becomes so big when you haven't really addressed it for 20 odd years or 15 odd years, that even just that much likely won't fill your cup. It won't fill that void. And so what we have to do is parent ourselves. And it's a, it's a daily practice, weekly practice, lifelong practice that we have to do to fill that void, right? To really give to ourselves what others were not able to give to us. There's this really popular quote by Beyonce. I guess, okay, maybe it's not popular. Maybe it's just popular to me because I think about it all the time. But Beyonce was quoted to say that having miscarriages taught her that she had to mother herself before she could be a mother to somebody else. And I think that that is so, so powerful because, you know, not all of our parents have the privilege of healing themselves or even choosing to be parents for that matter. Right. And so if they're walking around carrying so much trauma of their own and they're carrying around their own inner child wounds and they're carrying around you know all the things that they didn't get unless they have healed themselves and are committed to have healing themselves before they step into the role of a parent, chances are that a lot of those things are going to get replicated in their relationship with their children. And so when Beyonce says that she, she really had to mother herself before she could become a, a mother and, you know, there was this like divine intervention that that came into her life in the form of miscarriages that really pushed her into that healing, It's it's so interesting To know that when we start to heal ourselves and we start to heal our inner child, that's how we can show up as better people for ourselves and for those ones that we love. You know, instead of having these grand expectations of ourselves and the people around us, if we start to slowly work on ourselves and to give ourselves all that we've ever needed, then the expectations of what we need and what we think we need from other people slowly starts to become a lot smaller. There's also another quote that says, if you don't heal yourself, you'll end up bleeding all over the people who did not hurt you. And I believe that because for years I bled all over people that did not deserve to be bled on, you know, they deserved to, you know, just sort of sit on the sidelines while I was putting band-aids on myself, to be quite honest. And that's true until we don't heal ourselves, we're likely going to keep holding people to these ridiculous standards that they're never going to meet, The other thing about inner child parenting is that there's a strong difference between judgment and discernment. You know, what I said earlier, I'm gonna pick that pin back up, you know, Often what happens is there's an emotion that comes up, right? There's a feeling that comes up and sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's, you know, what we like to say negative. I like to say that emotions are not positive or negative, right? Either they're on the plus 10 of the scale or they're on the minus, you know, of the scale, the minus 10 of the scale. And where we really need to be at all times is probably neutral because life is not always happy and life is not always shitty, right? But what happens when we have emotions come up? The first thing that we do is really judge ourselves for those emotions. I know I do that. You know, when a jealousy comes up, envy comes up, frustration comes up, bitchiness comes up, I automatically judge myself. I'm always like, no, we're perfect. We're a nice, we're we're a nice person, you know, we're this strong person, we're this healed person. And so we're not allowed to feel this way. And so automatically I step into this judgment. But when an emotion comes up, instead of judging ourselves, we have to practice discernment, right? We have to sit down and ask ourselves, okay, so what is this emotion? And what is this emotion trying to tell me? There's this book that I love that really, you know, there's men. there are many books on my shelf that changed my life. And this is one of them. There's a book by Matt Kahn that says, whatever it's called Whatever Arises, Love That. And in that book, essentially what Matt Kahn is saying is that when an emotion that we don't want to identify with shows up in our body it shows up in our awareness and in our consciousness it's not an invitation to love it less it's actually an invitation to love it more right so whatever that feeling is that feeling of jealousy abandonment criticality or you know judgment or ab- like you know whatever the emotion is that is not a really happy one it's an invitation for ourselves to lean into that emotion a little bit more, right? To really understand it, to accept it, and just allow it to exist. And what we find is that when we do that, often the root of that emotion is somewhere in our childhood, right? Somewhere in our childhood, we felt it the first time and either somebody else reprimand reprimanded us to not feel that way, or we internalized it so much that all it ever did was just sit inside of us and boil inside of us and so in Matt Con's words it's an invitation for us to lean into it a little bit more and to sort of uproot it like I mentioned right to take everything that we've been repressing and really allow it to come to the surface so that we could let go of it and release ourselves from it once and for all so here's the process that I follow now Right? This is what I do when something negative shows up, right? Quote unquote negative. I don't like to say negative. I like to say lower vibrating emotions. There are higher vibrating emotions and then there's lower vibrating emotions. And some days that girl be vibrating high and some days the girls are vibrating low. Okay? So here's a process that I follow now. Whenever an emotion that I don't really want to identify with shows up, I allow it to show up. <laughs> That's not it. I close my eyes and I really tune in, you know, I sit down, I take a deep breath and I just tune in. I ask myself what emotions I'm feeling, you know, I, I, I jot it down. Am I feeling angry? I'm feeling sadness. I'm feeling frustration. I'm feeling hopelessness. I write down everything that it is that I'm feeling. And then when I look at that list, I ask myself, which emotion feels the strongest, which emotion feels the biggest and most prominent in my orbit at the time. And so then I take that emotion and then I journal on that emotion. You know, I ask myself, what am I feeling? Why is this emotion coming up? And what is this emotion trying to tell me? What does this emotion feel related to? Have I felt it before? And if I had to give the first time I felt this way in age, what age would it be, right? So often I feel abandonment. And so when I look at abandonment, what I would ask myself is what abandonment feels like, right? Like really attach words and meanings and to really materialize that abandonment. Because sometimes we've constructed things in our minds, but until we don't start to like really let it out and write it down, are we able to really see it fully in a big picture view, in a big picture view? And so then I ask myself, after I've identified you know what, what the emotion is, um, what age I felt it at, the next step is super, super important. Super important. Like if you take away anything from this episode, it's this next step gratitude. So you really want to express gratitude for the emotion. Yes. Even the lower vibrating emotion that is showing up. You want to express gratitude for it. You want to say, thank you. Oh my God. Thank you so much for showing up abandonment. Thank you so much for showing up fear because you want to thank it for protecting you, for trying to protect you, because that's all it is, right? Abandonment, fear, anger, any of these like jealousy, envy, judgment, all of these emotions are showing up to protect you because they know that you have felt this way before and that you know, you and your body, you like me, myself and I, we didn't like it. And so now that we're experiencing something that feels a little bit similar, we're like, Oh my God, I don't want to feel it again. Like, I'm just going to start to alert you. I'm going to ring all the bells. I'm going to blow all the whistles and, you know, wave all the flags because now we're about to feel it again. And I, I don't want us to. Right. And so really what that emotion is trying to do is really protect you. And so you want to say, thank you, you know, instead of minimizing it, instead of telling it to fuck off, you want to say to it, thank you for showing up. I really appreciate that you are trying to protect us. Then what you want to do, right? That then what you want to do after you've done that really big step of gratitude is speak to that inner child, speak to that emotion, but as your current self, right? As your current self. So for me, it would be the 25 year old version of me as my highest self, and then to parent it, you know? So you would ask that, that emotion, you know, you can ask that emotion, or you can ask that. So you can do two things. You can speak to that emotion, or you can speak to the, the age at which you would first experience that emotion. And you can ask it questions, right? You can ask, why do you feel this way? do you think it's good that we feel this way, you know? And you want to do it with love, compassion, care, and attention. And what I like to do is like, I sort of like to act like this like baby version of me, right? To be this 25 year old version, to be like, hey babe, thank you for, you know, showing up. Thank you for showing me that, you know, fear, abandonment, whatever it is that you're here, but I got this. Like, no, like I'm a cool girl. Like I got this. Like you don't need to worry. It's okay. I'm looking out for the both of us. That's how I speak to that emotion. And I speak to that version of myself. But the common factor is that it's always rooted in love, compassion, care, and attention. Because what our ego really wants to do, what our ego really wants to do is to not identify with that negative emotion. So again, pulling that pin back. Giving it attention is important because what our ego wants to do is not give it attention, right? It wants to, it it, it doesn't want us to feel those things. It doesn't want us to identify with those things. It wants to avoid it. It wants to really, really avoid it. And it wants to constantly live in this avoidance and to just be like, I don't feel this way. No, I don't get jealous. No, I'm cool. I'm perfect. I don't get critical. I don't get judgy. That's what our ego wants to do. But the thing is, the more we avoid it, the bigger and more frequent it gets and the easier it is to fall into it. Like it's so difficult. It becomes more and more difficult for you to recognize when you're speaking from that place, right? Like it just becomes so much easier for us to slip into that negative emotion the more you avoid it. So it's really important that we speak to it, create space for it and allow it to show up. And I think what it does when you sort of like, you keep slapping down these emotions and being in avoidance from them is that you live a very, very disembodied and disempowered life. You literally move through life, not having a full range of your entire emotions and, you know, and your feelings. And so, you know, all of that to say that parenting yourself and, you know, parenting that inner child within you is a really deep sense of connection with yourself right? It's literally embracing both the dark and the light. And it's, it's stepping into more embodiment in your life. And like I said, like until you don't get to the root cause and you don't get to the root of what it is that you are feeling and who you are, you're going to keep going through life, meeting the same experiences. Like you're going to keep running into the same lessons in different people, in different, you know, in different iterations and find and keep finding that like You know, you might think you have changed, you might think you've grown, um, but until you don't really address the issue from the root, chances are that it's just going to keep manifesting itself in different ways in your life. Inner child parenting is not easy, like for real. Like, yes, I'm a strong advocate for it and I love it and it has changed my life, but it's difficult every day. I am constantly in this like battle inside my brain, right? Like my, if sometimes it feels like there's like my, there's a ping pong ball and it's just ping ponging from left to right, left to right, just in conversation with my inner child and my higher self and inner child, and higher self. I want to end by saying that that constant ping-ponging is very exhausting. And so what we have to do is hold space and hold compassion for that ping-ponging as well, right? Like if some days you're operating out of that more lower vibrating, you know, place, that's okay, right? Like judging yourself even for being there for too long and too often is also not conducive to your growth, right? So I never know how to end these things because I feel like I say all these profound things and I never know how to end these things but what I will say is that inner child parenting has saved my life it's really changed my relationship with myself and I implore all of you if you have the courage to do it to also embark on it for yourself <laughs>